Did I tell you about last semester, one of my theater professors, whom I adore and have taken a lot of classes with, and I want her to love me so much, mm-hmm. she gave us an assignment that was, um, she was like, look at any production and do, like, <laughs> the following. And I took that to mean any production. Like, free reign. Okay, cool. So the thing was, we were talking about Twelfth Night in class, and what she apparently meant was any production of Twelfth Night, but I didn't realize that. So I came mm-hmm. in, and I had done all this research on, like, Peter and the Starcatcher, because it's a cool play, and I wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And she called on, like, the first person in class and was like, oh, what did you what did you do your thing about? And she's, you know, oh, I did my thing about this production of Twelfth Night. I was like, that's really funny that she did Twelfth Night. And then she calls on the person next to me and goes, so what did you do? And she's like, oh, I did this production of Twelfth Night. And I was like... This is a 12th night assignment. She got to me. It's a six-person class, so there's no hiding. And I was like, I'm going to be real with you. I messed up and thought you meant, like, anything. So she let me talk about Peter and the Starcatcher. <laughs> and then after class, I was like, do you want me to get you the assignment with an actual production of 12th Night over the weekend? And she was like, yes, please. <laughs> rock and roll ready to rock and roll welcome to spilling tea the podcast where two friends sip tea and spill the beans on books we need to read i'm jane and i'm mackenzie i almost just said i'm mackenzie and i'm jane (laughs) oh that's gonna get really confusing i don't like that i am mackenzie and i am jane hello hello how is everyone I mean, that's a rhetorical question, because they can't answer us, but I'm okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's good, at least. At least at least you know you're okay in this universe. That's what really matters, mm-hmm. is how you're feeling in this very moment. Anyways, so, doing good this week. Feeling a solid good. week. A solid week. It's only Wednesday. It's only Wednesday. We're so close. And also, neither of us have classes on Friday. That's true. I do have work, though, which I is... I mean, I also of, have work on Friday for, like, four hours, so I'm, like... It's kind of just an inconvenience. Like, it's not annoying, necessarily, mm-hmm. but I know I'm going to spend all day doing homework, and just, like, work on top of... It just doesn't sound fun, but mm-hmm. it's also an 8 to 10 a.m. shift. Which is lovely. It is lovely, and I can work out afterwards, but it's, like, my one day to sleep in, seemingly. But you can sleep in on Saturday this week. Okay, well, out of the five yeah, 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 yeah. days... We don't have any 6 a.m. D&D this Saturday. Uh, at least there's that. Which we have been doing. I know, which is great for all of you who just have to make simple decisions. You're the DM. You're the one who picks 6 a.m. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> all of last semester was your guys' schedules, and it was me just trying to make it work because I had way too much energy and had created an entire universe that you needed to play in. Mm-hmm. But, um... Anyways. Dungeons and Dragons is, in fact, besides the point. It is. I don't, it's not relevant to my book. I don't know if it's relevant to yours. It's not. It's not? Okay. No. Um, Six Degrees of Dungeons and Dragons. We can connect it to anything. Fuck. Probably could. Probably. But not in this case. Not in this case. Um, so we're actually going to switch it up this week. Yeah, for the first time Ooh. ever, I will be delivering the funky fact. And I'll be covering the tea. I'm very excited because Jane has never paired a tea for this podcast I have before not. Because I always kept it a secret from her. 
And I actually, like, I feel like I nailed this one out of the park, so I feel like I'm doing good so far. Also, we bought these tea at a, this tea at a David's Tea, where okay. an employee wanted to know why I had to, like, walk to the other end of the store and basically stare at a wall. Well, Jane picked it out, which is what I did. I stared at some teacups, actually. <laughs> and she was like, oh, what's it? Why did, can't she know about it? And Jane was like... Oh, it's like like a podcast we do where we pair tea and books. And this other employee who was kind of in the back was like, oh, what's it called? That sounds so cool. So hi, David's Tea Employees, if you're listening. We're so glad to have you. <laughs> and hi. Sorry I was <laughs> awkward. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, so this is a tea that I got at David's Tea. And... Um, I'm actually not going to say what the tea is first or do... The um, ASMR tea pour. Are you going to tell me about the book? Yes, I'm okay. going to talk about the book first. Okay. Is it a book I've read? I do not believe so. Okay. It I'm is a, a young adult fiction. I just smacked you. I'm sorry. You're fine. It's a YA. So I might have read it. That increases the chances of me having Increases read it. the chances. It is... Are you ready? Did you nervous. Rx by Tracy Lynn. No, I have not read this one. I figured you wouldn't have because this is a very like niche book. Mm-hmm. Um, Rx, like letter R, letter X. Yeah, okay. like the drug, yeah, Rx, like yeah. Not pharmacy. Not like our X, like our no, collective no, no. X. No, okay. no, like Rx. Okay. Yeah. So, um, basically, time at Gilcrest? Gilcrest? I'm going to call her Gilcrest. Gilcrest? Gil- no, Gilcrest. <laughs> I think it's Gilcrest. I was like, yeah. that definitely ain't it. All right. So, Time Gilcrest is having, like, difficulty in school and talks to her parents about, like, needing something to help with her, like, attention span Mm -hmm. in academics because she is an honor student, but she, unlike the rest of the kids in the honors program who, like, seem to have it easy and don't have to do a lot of Mm -hmm. work, she is constantly working in order to, like, try and keep up. Yeah. And she goes to, like, a wealthy high school, a lot of, like, rich, rich kids. So she asked her parents about potentially bringing her to a psychiatrist to, like, get help and maybe, like, try Ritalin or something. Be diagnosed for, like, ADD or ADHD. So instead, her parents are like, no, there's nothing wrong with you, like, whatever. She ends up getting Ritalin? somehow and taking it and finding that it um helps her focus yeah which then her ritalin use kind of spirals out of control and she ends up going to people being like can you get your hands on ritalin yeah i i need it she ends up getting addicted Mm -hmm. so now addicted to speed she um begins setting up this whole large drug network in her school Mm -hmm. to get her hands on Ritalin, but also she begins diagnosing her classmates with various things. So, like, anxiety disorders, things like that. And she begins stealing medication from her own parents as well as, like, family friends who Mm -hmm. leave, like, their bags on the couches because this entire community that she lives in of wealthy, wealthy people all have prescription drugs. They hand them out like candy. So basically she starts this whole large drug network and ends up becoming a drug dealer in addition to like an honor student, uh, Mm -hmm. like 
college hopeful, things like that. Yeah. Like, so it's kind of, it's, um, so it looks at more of how, like, drug use is among wealthy youths and how mm-hmm. they can get their hands on something so easily, but also how widespread of a problem it is aside from that, like, within their parents, how big drug use is and mm-hmm. how it's just seen as normal mm-hmm. when it's, in fact, very not normal. But, um, so it takes, like, a very critical perspective of that, but as, like, a young adult book, which is really yeah. interesting because it shows, like, the struggles of having your best friends also be hooked on pills, but, like, mm-hmm. different, or one of them having a massive anxiety disorder but like not getting help for it and just a lot of misdiagnosis as well like someone she knows she steals a bottle of Ritalin from because he was misdiagnosed with ADD when he actually has like an anger yeah disorder um so it, it's just like super wild because there's like mm-hmm. love triangles there's the typical teen drama but like overlaying all of this is just heavy drug abuse and you're like kind of sitting there in this weird scenario of like what? Oh, this what? is a very interesting book, but also what the fuck's going on? Yeah. So, um, I was like, it wasn't my favorite thing I've ever read, but at the same time, I'm like, this isn't a god-awful book. Mm-hmm. It has really random reviews on Goodreads. I love random. My book also has really, like, fluctuating reviews. Yeah, people either hated this book yeah. or really, really enjoyed it, and there was, like, no in-between, which was wild for me. Um, because I thought it was, like, decent enough. Like, it's, it's an okay book. It's a three to four stars. Three to four stars, exactly. But, anyways, the reason, the main reason I picked this book is because when we walked into David's Tea, (laughs) I saw one tea and I went, hot dang. That's hot, a good tea. Hot dang. Hot that's diggity a, dang. Hot diggity dang That's a baller doodle. tea. That is a baller tea that exactly matches this book. And if I'm overstating it, please stop. Oh, please stop me. But the tea I have picked from David's Tea. Sponsor us. The tea I have picked from David's Tea. We might tea. have employees listening. We can't say that anymore. Fuck. Still sponsor us. I and have If you're picked, interested, our business email is on our Twitter. It is indeed. <clears throat> the tea I have picked for today is called Mommy's Little Helper. <laughs> is this like a pregnancy tea? No. <laughs> <clears throat> I have the blurb from David. Did you write it down or did you take a picture? Is it oh, I bad? wrote it. I wrote oh everything down. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Need to relax? Yes. Release stress and anxiety the natural way with this Organic herbal tea. It's got valerian, a.k.a. nature's Valium, to take the edge off your 24-7 reality, plus soothing chamomile, peppermint, and lemongrass for an added dose of tranquility, and pretty blue cornflowers just to make you happy. One sip of this caffeine-free tisane, 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 and you'll feel like you've spent the day at the spa. So, it's a really good tea. I'm really proud of for your debut tea. That's a good tea. Right, Mommy's Little Helper is in, mm-hmm. like, the Little Pills Valium. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I felt a little proud of this one. Mm-hmm. So. The David C. employer probably thought you were insane. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so, it's got ingredients said to help digestion and ease of mind. And valerian root is known to relax nervous tension and induce feelings of sleepiness. So, hey, I feel like we need it. Yeah, we're recording at 7.30. Yeah, 
It is. I have homework to do, but we're going to pretend like I don't today. So, um, ingredients, just as a brief rundown, it's got organic peppermint, organic lemongrass, everything's organic, just as a heads up, because yeah. I want to say organic a million yeah. times. So, hibiscus, rose I hips. Love hibiscus. Rose hips? Rose hips. Rose hips. Okay, cool. I said it right the first time. Chamomile, valerian root, cornflowers, and natural peppermint flavoring. It has, actually... I'm going to pour it before I tell you the tasting notes because I want you to see the tasting notes. Is it a cool color because of the blue cornflower? No, I think it's just plain. Okay. So I'm going to pull. Plain tea color. I already overfilled the tea kettle because I've never (laughs) used it before. So I like burned my hands. All right. Give me your cup first. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to like this. I'll be honest. Okay. Because it's. Oh, it's a very nice color. It's like a pinkish orange. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Thank you. I already spilled some. It's okay. It's your carpet. Okay. I have to... I have to... Oh, it smells good. I feel like I nailed the ASMR pour. I feel like I nailed it. All right. It's too hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already, I just spilled it all over my leg. It's too hot. Oh, I really like it. It smells really good. All right. What is your guess on tasting notes? I'm literally, it reminds me of a tea. Like, it's very familiar, but in a way of like, this is a tea I had a while ago. Mm. So I'm trying to think what, like, in middle school or high school. Like, this is definitely not like. Oh, wow, yeah. A flavor that's super, like, I'm picking up on it right away. Is it like a lemony? Are you ready for the tasting notes yeah. via David's Tea? Minty, herby, and fruity with a slight tart taste. That checks out. Yeah. The minty lemon is like fighting in my mouth and it doesn't know what to do. Yeah, but then there's also the fruit from mm-hmm. the valerian root and the rose hips and rose hips, rose hips and hibiscus mm-hmm. all in there. You know what it is? In middle school, before I got, like, into tea and would just, like, drink whatever was around, there was always those, like, tea packs that had multiple flavors, and mint and lemon were always two flavors that were in it. So I drank a lot of mint and lemon tea in middle school mm. before I, like, really knew about tea. So that's probably what it is. That's yeah, it's a me. really interesting flavor. I really like it. Yeah, I don't mind it as much as I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, a little surprised that I don't hate it. <laughs> I think the main thing was I was worried about the hibiscus. Because you don't like hibiscus. I don't, but I... I made you drink hibiscus for the Aristotle and Dante I episode. Know. But it was good because we put sugar in it. Yeah, and it was it was very pairing. So yeah. I think the... I really like the peppermint and the chamomile. I think that, like, mm-hmm. super comes out for me. So, like, that's two flavors that I really yeah. enjoy. So, yay, I did good. You did a good tea. Yes. One day we'll have to photograph our tea and teacup, like, pairing, because yes, they're very cute. Very stunning. I got these teacups at a church thrift store, and I got the teapot in a subscription box. And I won't say what one, because that feels like cheating, and I'm not giving them free advertising. They can sponsor us if they want to. Yeah. But the cups are very cute. They are. They were a dollar for both of them. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, going to the author, there's not a lot of information on this author as well, because Tracy Lynn is actually a pseudonym. Oh, okay. Liz Brass is, Mm -hmm. Brasswell 
is the uh, real human. She is 70 years old, was born in 1950 in Bringingham, uh, United Kingdom, but grew I, up I in New England. Absolutely hit me like a brick wall that people born in 1950 are 70. Yeah, let's not talk that about just, it. That just, like, you said that, and I was like, no. Yeah, well, actually, we were talking um, about this today because in my Modern Pioneers of Neuroscience class, mm-hmm. which is all about um, people that aren't white cis het men. Yeah, in neuroscience. Well, I should say white heterosexual cis men mm-hmm. in neuroscience, which is not a lot of people. Well, no, I should say it's not it's a, a lot, lot of people. That you've heard of. It's not a lot of people we learn about in a neuroscience class or a psych class or whatever. Like, they just don't do it because, Mm -hmm. you know, other people's opinions don't matter. Mm -hmm. So, the woman we're reading about right now who, like, pioneered the idea that the immune system is actually protective. It's protective autoimmunity in the central nervous system, which is huge because they thought, like, the immune system actually attacked any central nervous system. Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't want those immune cells in your brain because they'll kill it. Um, so, if if someone, if anyone wants to know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about um, M- Michael Mickel. No, Mikkel? No, it's Michael. No, I think it's Michael. Michael Schwartz. Um, yeah, she, she has some really cool work. But she was also born in 1950. But we were reading a paper published in 1988 today. Yeah. Or 1998, my mistake. And we were trying to figure out how old she was because it was kind of relevant to our conversation of, like, people didn't think that she would, like, she thought, they thought she was crazy. That she was going, like, way off out of the park and everything like that. And we were like, oh, no, she was 50 when she was writing this. Like, cool. That's fine. That's, wow. Cool. And I hate that for us. (sighs) I hate the passage of time, but that's just me. No, I agree. (laughs) Anyways, very strong tangent away from uh, Liz Braswell, but she, um, she... When did this book come out? Oh, good question. I actually don't know. I'll look it up real quick. Keep talking. So she was born in the UK, but grew up in New England, in a small town in New England. Um, she has, like, husband, kids, wife, or husband, kids, wife... (laughs) Uh, husband, kids, like, animals. She's just vibing. It came out in 2006. 2006. Okay, Okay. cool. Um, so she got a degree in Egyptology at Brown University and then spent 10 years creating video games. So talk about a change and a half. Uh, she wrote two name, two books under her pseudonym, Rx and Snow. Snow was her first book Mm -hmm. that she wrote. And then she... uh, under her real name, she started writing, um, I think it's, it's wild, because, like, this is a YA book, but it's, leans much more to an adult topic, mm-hmm. and I think Snow is the same way, I think it's something about, like, Snow White, like, mm-hmm. running away from assassins or something, yeah. like, it's a modern twist on Snow White, but, uh, now under her real name, she has a whole series called Twisted Tales, which are adaptations of classic fairy tales and Disney princesses, mm-hmm. and they're, like, I think, like, really well-known, but it's, like, kind of one of those, like, culty books. Yeah. In the sense of, like, people who know them love them. Um, But at the same time, they don't have fantastic reviews. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, another one of just, like, very mixed writing. Mm -hmm. 
like reviews on her writing, but they look pretty cool. I think she's got like six of them, oh, wow. six or seven of them, and there's one being released February fourth. Mm-hmm. So it'll probably be released by the time this episode's up because uh, slacking on my end. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's also best known for Nine Lives of Chloe King, which was adapted to a TV show by the same name. Um, some point. Sorry, my laptop's charging. It hasn't been charging. It's charging? It's charging. My laptop has been doing this really fun thing where when it's plugged in, it isn't charging. It's just, like, staying stable. So I have to, like, have it off for it to charge up, but it's charging right now. Let's not do anything. I'm never going to move from this spot. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, Sorry to interrupt, but no, that that's was, like, okay. that's a thrilling. huge... It's been doing this for, like, a week and a half, and I was like, oof. Any who's it's that's very thrilling. But that's kind of the end of what I have about Tracy Lynn, a.k.a. Liz Braswell. Mm-hmm. There's literally nothing, not even on her own website. Like, there's yeah. nothing. So I'm assuming it's just the point in her life where she's like, yeah, I'm going to keep writing these, like, mm-hmm. kids' adaptations and just keep chilling. Keep rolling along. So that's what I have. Like, there's nice. not a yeah. ton about this book. Honestly... I didn't even think I was going to talk about this book on the podcast, Mm -hmm. but the fucking Nature's Valium got me. I was like... The tea. Mommy's little helper because she steals her mother's drugs to sell to kids in the school. Yeah. Like, I... (sighs) I think it's a good tea. I think it sounds like an interesting book. Yeah. Do you you know if it's at, like, the library near us, or... Probably. Did you read it, like, a while ago? I own it. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. at home. It's a book that my sister, actually, mm-hmm. if we want to go into the background of how I, I got this to, book. I would love to, because I have a background on my book, too. Cool. So. Um, this was actually a book that my sister had read probably when she was an undergrad. She's now getting her PhD, so she what is... What an overachiever. <laughs> she's also <laughs> six years older than me, so keep that in mind. She graduated a while mm-hmm. ago. But uh, she read it in undergraduate because she was working in a lab with the use mm-hmm. of... Um, Studying the effects of cocaine in mice. Oh, okay. So, um, and that's actually the research by one of the professors, because she graduated from the same college that we go mm-hmm. to. So, she she was working with mice and cocaine and other um, illegal drugs, basically. Mm-hmm. And this was, like, one of the books that I can't remember if her professor recommended or just, like was something that she had bumped into and was interested in, but we have a copy at home, and she recommended that my mom... Pardon me. My mom read it that... Like, my mom should read it, but it didn't end up happening, and then I was just looking for a book to read Mm -hmm. um, when I was working a desk shift at the library over December, and just saw this. It was a pretty short book, really nice font, yeah. Which is always kind of good in reading. Like a bigger font. Like a bigger yeah, font. Yeah, you gotta read my Dorian Gray copy. It's got I big, know. big font. But also, like, not really... Yeah, not, like, obnoxious. Not obnoxious text. And you don't realize how important that is until you're reading something where That's you're like, like wow. bitty and you're like, my eyes hurt. <laughs> yeah. Or even, like, just, like, really blocky letters mm-hmm. or things like that. Like, just easy on the eyes. It makes so much of a difference. So I just was picked it up and I read it. I ended up reading it in one day because I was like, this is good enough of a book, but yeah. also it's quick read. I enjoyed the content and then I was like, I just want to, you know, finish it. Mm-hmm. So 
I liked it. Yeah. I didn't think it was bad at all. It kind of sucked you in a tiny bit. And, like, I do have to say the protagonist irritates me, but I think that's the point. The point, yeah. It's always fun when that's the vibe. So, yeah, that's kind of how I stumbled onto this book. Um, actually, I need... So there is a movie that is very not based... It's based on the similar content. Mm -hmm. Um, It's based on, like, basically the exact same content. Ah, Charlie Bartlett! I've never seen it. Oh, my God. It's really good. Sorry, I just had to look it up. But it's a comedy drama film, and it's basically a teenager who begins dispensing therapeutic advice and prescription drugs to the student body at his new high school in order to become popular. Oh, God. (laughs) Which, like, is similar to this book, but very, like, different in some aspects. But it's got Robert Downey Jr. in it and um, Kate Dennings. Oh, this one. Yeah, Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings, my mistake. I was like, Kate Dennings? Is that a person? No, Kat <laughs> Dennings. Um, but, like, it has a pretty good cast, and it was premiered in, oh, Tribeca Film, Tribeca Film Festival. Nice. In 2017. But, no, it's it was that, I, Drake's in it. <laughs> All right. Every time someone tells me anything about Drake as a person, I'm like, no. Really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every single fact about him feels fake. (laughs) You know, you're right. Like, he was on this wholesome Canadian after-school television show. Degrassi. Yeah. 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 Um, I know, that just took me, like, four seconds to process. But anyways, we need to watch Charlie Bartlett because I really, I really, really like that movie, which is so, it's like an offbeat, like, not, you know, widely popular, um, movie. You've seen Treasure Planet, right? No. Oh my god. None of us, other than me, none of our roommates have seen Treasure Planet, so we're legally obligated to watch Treasure Planet. There's so many movies also, that... you've no- seen Holes, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I've seen Holes like every other day of my life. Hasn't seen Holes. Who? Josie. Oh my... I just had a visceral reaction. I've seen Holes 12 so times. Many times. So it's many so times. So many times. good. If my family was like, we don't know what to watch today, we're like, we're watching Holes. It's just kind mm-hmm. of iconic. And the story's like, the book so is really fucking good too. And it's a good movie adaptation. Like... Uh. Ugh, love oh holes. God. It's almost like we talked about it on the podcast. Oh, fuck, we did. I love that movie. All we right. talk about holes. All right. We moving on to my book? Yeah, we All can right. move on to your book. So, I'm going to sip some tea. My book is me. also a YA, so I'm excited to have a double YA Ooh. week, which, you know, it happens. So, I don't know. You probably haven't read this one, because you don't read as much YA as Mm-mm. I do, and I don't think this would have been something I'm- you would have... I read up weirdly. Yeah. Like, I read weird so, YA. But my book is You Know Me Well, and it's co-written by Nina LaCour and David Levithan. Oh. And it's oh, a, it's pretty cover. It's a pretty cover. Oh, it's my It's the Golden goodness. Gate Bridge in San Francisco. I'm not going to read the blurb. I'm not yeah, going to read the blurb. Yeah, don't read the blurb, because I'm about to give you a better blurb than that blurb. Oh, so beautiful. the basic plot of it is these two... Um, teenagers it's alternating points of view which Mm. i love when a book is co-written because it's like a good distinct voice for each person but um it's the story of 
two like Bay Area teens, Mark and Kate, who have um, sat next to each other in calculus for an entire year, but managed to just like not really talk to each other, not really know each other because. I don't know, you're not always, like, friends with the people you sit next to in class or anything. Yeah, that feels like half of my class. Yeah. One at this college and two in high school. Yeah. So they've sat next to each other in calculus for an entire year, but don't know each other at all, until there's one night, and I won't say all of the circumstances that lead them to here, oh, because it's, it's so interesting. One fateful night, when they both happen to be partying in San Francisco the week leading up to the annual Pride Parade. Oh, boy. And oh, boy, Hallie. Oh, it's so oh, good. no. And so Mark and Kate are both gay, and they're both in romantic dilemmas. Kate is a little unsure. She's just run away from a chance to meet the girl she's, like, been pining for from afar. She's never actually met her, but she's, like, this is Ran the night she's going to meet her. And she gets, like, scared and nervous and, like, leaves. She's like, I can't meet her. I'm too nervous to meet her. Like, what if she doesn't live up to my expectations kind of thing? Me with every, like job offer I have. <laughs> Big mood. And then, so that's what's going on with Kate, and Mark is in love with his best friend slash maybe friends with benefits, Ryan, who may or may not feel the same way. Things are very unsure on that end. Why do I know so many people like and that? And Kate's, the way they meet, so Kate spots Mark at a gay bar where he's competing in an underwear modeling dance-off. <laughs> <laughs> this is all chapter one. This is like right off the bat. Wow. And they connect almost, like, instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And um, after that evening of, like, adventure and heartbreak and all that wildness, Kate and Mark help each other navigate. This is the last week of high school mm. for them. So they literally become friends during the last week of high school. That's and they, wild. like, figure things out. And there's, like, like, romantic stuff going on and, like, all these different realizations and decisions about the future and things. But I just want to read you the opening line from the book. Please because do. Because it's so... I feel like I always read the opening line, but I really but love it. Honestly, if that becomes your thing, let's not yeah. be mad at it. So the opening line is... Right, this is Mark's point of view. Mark, okay. Which is David Levithan, and Nina LaCour wrote Kate. Okay. So Mark... Oh, that's interesting. I really like that. Yeah. Okay, I was wondering why it was co-authored, but no, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I like okay. the alternative. I like it, yeah. yeah. So it's, right now, my parents think I'm sleeping on the couch at my best friend Ryan's house, safely tucked into a suburban silence. At the same time, Ryan's parents think he's in the top bunk in my bedroom, slumbering peacefully after a slow night of video games and TV. In reality, we're in the Castro at a club called Happy Happy, kicking it up at the Gay Gantuum kickoff party for San Francisco's very own Pride Week. Gay Gantuum? Gay Gantuum. Right? That's what that word says. Gay Gantuum. Yeah, that's yeah. what it says. What does that mean? <laughs> like Gargantuum, but Gay Gantuum. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to like this book. Oh, it's insane. You please read it. So... I first read this book. It came out in 2016. I bought it at... I actually know because the sticker on the back tells me what bookstore I bought it in. But um, a bookstore that... It's not like a chain, but there's like two of them. Mm-hmm. And I and they're really nice. They're like giant two-story like indie bookstores. They're mm-hmm. lovely. I bought it there. And I read it in... I read it later in the summer. And I read it in a day because my family used to go camping every year. Yeah. And I don't know. You're in the woods and there's no Wi-Fi. So what I would do, because I was a nerd, is I would just read. And I would read like a book a day while we were camping. I wouldn't say that's nerdy. I would say that's survival. Yeah, but like I should have been doing like outdoor things is what I'm saying. Like I sat in my tent and I read. Be outside (laughs) while camping. That's a lie. I didn't sit in my tent. I sat by the ocean and read. So like. Okay, that's way chiller. That's way better. Yeah, Yeah. right. But not like the beach. It wasn't like I was on the beach. Like I was at a picnic table like away from the beach. 
Like that's the biggest was, fucking mood. Oh my yeah, god! But Mackenzie. I read this book this summer. So because this takes place the last week of senior year of high school, and I read this book like the week before coming to college. Wait, which pause. was a really interesting. Just real time. quick, why the hell couldn't we have been friends in like eighth grade? Because we that would have solved all of our in really different states. I know, but that would have we solved were, like really far away, and that I would have solved all our until problems. college. So like we couldn't have called or anything because I didn't have a phone. Accurate. I mean, you would have had to call my home phone like it's 2006, but like... <laughs> that still happens between my friends from home. We finally got rid of our landlines this year, but I still, <laughs> I'd still call my friend Emily's house mm-hmm. and like get her mom or my friend Aaron, mm-hmm. actually Aaron more than Emily, and I'd like get her mom and be like, hi, can Aaron come yeah. out to play? And then her mom would be like, you guys, what? And <laughs> you're I, 20. Like- you're 20. And then Aaron would come outside and be like... You want to go to dinner? No, that I wouldn't do that. I'd call my mm-hmm. friend's house, and her mom would always pick up. And her mom knew my voice because they didn't have caller ID. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, "Hi, can I talk to Susan?" And she's like, "Of course, Mackenzie. I'll get her now." And I was like, "Thank <laughs> you." Yeah, literally, my friend Susan. When I used to call, mm-hmm. her mom would be like, "Oh, hi, Jane," and I'm like, "Hi, <laughs> Susan." She's like, "I already called her downstairs." So I was like, "Okay." Susan had they she had a phone upstairs in her house. I remember, so she would oh. pick up on the line upstairs. That's. But then we, we never knew if her mom was secretly listening in or not. We had to wait for the click off. I mean, 99% of the time it was like, can you meet me at the park that was like the halfway point between our houses? Yeah. But yeah. No, I just walked to Susan's house. It was yeah, like, oh, same. It was like a five-minute walk. Oh, no. Ours was like half a mile <laughs> down the road, if not a full mile. And I just walked to her house, show up, knock on her door, and be like, hi, do you have goldfish? And she'd be like, yeah, come on. My friend Susan always had goldfish. Yeah. And we would play like the random like pony games online. I or, don't know what that is. Ah, uh, they had like, oh my God. Yeah, I keep forgetting that you weren't one of those kids that were Internet like, kids? Internet kids. We had a computer, but like we had one laptop for the whole family. Yeah, no, we played a lot of Club Penguin. Um... Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but I want to say it's like fan, fan, oh, fanta, fantasia, fantago. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying it's, to say. It was like a fantasy world where you had like a character and you could go around and do mm-hmm. things, but like other people were there. It was yeah. like an MMO. Yeah. But like a kids MMO that was really fucking so like weird. Club Penguin. Like Club it's Penguin. What you're I did was like a Club person. And then we also played a lot of, like, webkins. I never had webkins. I was so jealous and, of kids with webkins. And Barbie games and shit. Like, wow. Girls go games. <laughs> what are you saying? It's literally a website oh, called Girls, Girls Go, go games. games. We're doing that after this. Okay. When I mean, we, we have free time. Have homework, but... Well, no, not immediately after, but, like, sometime, <laughs> sometime. in the next week, we're going to go on Girls Go Games. Oh, God. So you can see so- my childhood. Sorry. Get back. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... So that's the book, the kind of premise. It's really, mm-hmm. and it's told in that alternating viewpoint, which is really nice. I love books I like love that. I love alternating viewpoint with, like, I love when people co-author and do that, because it makes it so, I just love it so much more than, mm-hmm. like, one person. Like, I don't mind one person doing alternating viewpoints, depending on their talent. But I think it's, it's almost always better with two authors. Like, I'm a big fan. But, yeah, so that's kind of the book, and they're figuring out a lot of stuff near the end of high school, which is, and yeah, I read it right before coming to college, and I, yeah, it's just in a very, it was in, like, a similar space in terms of, like, they just graduate, they're, like, gonna graduate high school, and I was like, oh, I just did that, and now I'm going to the next place, which is what they're talking about a lot in the book. Yeah. But, yeah, and because it's co-authored, I have two authors to discuss. Ooh. So first we begin with Nina LaCour. 
who was born and raised in the East Bay and received her undergraduate degree from San Francisco State University, and then her MFA in creative writing at Mills College. And her graduate thesis actually became her first novel, Hold Still, which I have read and I love, and I do not have it with me, unfortunately, but Ugh. the cover, it's also beautiful. And, um... You have so her, many pretty books. I do have a lot of pretty books, I know. I see one, like, right now that I'm staring at. Guess which one? We Are Okay. Yeah, 100%. That's, but that's Nina LaCour. That is? That is, yeah. I'm gonna talk, talk about it when we get to her... When we talk about her other books. But yeah, you can look at it if you want. But, so education was like a really big thing for like her family. Her grandmother taught China painting classes. China painting classes? China painting classes. What are those? Like you paint China. Oh! (laughs) I didn't process China as like the pot, like the The, dishes China. I processed China as... The country? As the country. And I'm like, how... Is it just people painting, like... Maps of China? Like, like map, that'd be cool, too. Maps of China are, like, images of China? Yeah. But no, her grandmother Landscapes. taught China painting. Her father was a teacher and then school principal, and her mother taught high school art. So Nina LaCour, like, tutored her way through college, taught English composition to undergraduates while in grad school, and then went on to teach at Berkeley City College and Maybach High School. And she took a few years off to stay at home with her daughter, and then now she's teaching at Hamline University's MFAC program, as well as with independent students. So she's done a lot of, like, teaching and guest lecturing and appearing at conferences and whatnot, and she's also obviously writing. Yeah. And she still lives in the Bay Area, and this is from her website. It says she loves cooking, gardening, and day-tripping through the ever-inspiring regions of Northern California with her wife and their daughter. Oh my god, your future. The dream. The dream. So her other works, um, she's written four other YA novels, including We Are Okay, which Jane is it's looking so at. It's so pretty. Really pretty. It's really, it's good. I've read all these but one. So We Are Okay, which is very good, and I can also recommend it. Um, Everything Leads to You, which is, again, I recommend it. I have not read The Disenchantments yet, but I will. Oh, this is a short book. I want to read yeah, this. Yeah, it's really sad. Just a heads up. Oh, cool. I'm going to read it during finals. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. And then The Disenchantments, which I have not read, but it is supposed to be very, very good, and I will read it one day. And then Hold Still, which is the mm-hmm. one I talked about that was her what her graduate thesis became. Okay. And she also has a podcast called what? Keeping a Notebook, a podcast on writing. And she talks about it as some episodes getting into like the specifics of crafting a story. She'll answer questions about characters and plot, and other episodes will focus on like personal experiences per- and perspectives that you can bring to your work and that can shape your writing. And she also talks a lot about like routines and rituals and ways to like make your creative practice mesh with your daily life. So it isn't like so you're not like okay now I have to sit down and like write. It's just like something that's already part of your routine. And um, prioritizing and making room for the kinds of exploration that keep you moving forward in your art. That's so super cool. I actually haven't listened to it yet, but that like I'm not much of a like fiction writer, but that sounds like a really cool podcast. The first like that to me mm-hmm. sounds. Not really, it's not really the same thing, but it sounds like Stephen King's memoir uh, called mm-hmm. On Writing, which yeah. is about the process of writing. Yeah. Like, that's what it reminded me of instantly. I just mm-hmm. had to, like, remember the title yeah. so I didn't fuck it up. But. Yeah, it's really, yeah. So she does, cool. I love all, like I said, I've read everything except for The Disenchantments. She's a such a good writer. I love her very much. But, yeah, yeah so this book is very good, and Nina LaCour is very good. And now we get to talk about David Levithan, who was born in New Jersey, and at 19, he received an internship at the Scholastics Corporation, where he began working on the Babysitter's Club series. 
What? What a champ. Which, okay, first of all, I've never read them. <laughs> I haven't either. But I know that they're iconic. <laughs> yeah, same. It's like the Horse Girl Club whatever <laughs> books. I don't, I don't think, think it's called the Horse Girl Club books. I'm fucking looking it up. God. Okay, continue. So, and he actually still works for Scholastics at a, as an editorial director. And he's the founding editor of Push, a young adult imprint of Scholastic Press focusing on new voices and new authors. And I think this is really funny. In an interview with Barnes & Noble, um, Levithan said that he learned how to write books that were both funny and touching from um, Judith Viorst's Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, which is the most iconic book that's ever existed. What? Have you never read it? No. Oh my god, we have to find a copy of Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. It's a kid's book about a boy Alexander who has a rough day. But it's also funny, and I guess that's how he figured out how to write books that are funny but also have a lot of meaning. And he works both as a writer and an editor to this day, and he's on that says, I love editing just as much, if not more, than writing. And he still resides in New Jersey. And his other works are not going to be as easy to read because as Jane is now looking and seeing... Ah! Real quick, I found the book about horse girls. What's it's it called? called The Saddle Club. Oh, you're right. Sorry, right. I, I really that, that did figure it I never read it, but I know No, I didn't it. either. One of my but, friends was yeah. obsessed with but it. You can see how much oh he's written. Oh my god. So I've actually just starred what I've read, and I'm going to talk briefly, briefly, briefly about okay. those, because I can't even begin to read everything. Yeah. So there's Are We There Yet, which is one of his earlier works that came out in 2005, which is about two brothers who um, go on a vacation to Italy together and kind of like have a... I haven't read it in a while, but they like reconnect. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Everything I've read is good. Will Grayson, Will Grayson, which is co-written with John Green, which actually... I have on my bookshelf and I just tossed it at Jane. That's also a pretty cover. It's a really cool cover. So that's co-written with John Green. Um, and then Every Day, which is made into a movie recently which I haven't seen yet but that's the one where the protagonist wakes up in a different body every day and oh. like leads the life of that person and it asks a lot of really interesting questions about like gender as a concept hmm. because like when you're in a different body like every day like what does it mean like and if you like fall in love with someone what does it mean if are they like gonna be in love with you still if you're still you like you were the same conscious but you're in like a different body the next day. Yeah. Like, what does that... So it's a really interesting, like, book, and it plays with that a lot, and I really like it. And he wrote a sequel to that called um, Another Day, which I have read. And there's another book called Someday, which I have not read yet, mm. but I want to. And then he wrote a book called Invisibility, which was co-written with Andrea Kremer, which I read and thought was really nice. And then Two Boys Kissing, which was very, very good. I remember it was at, like, my local library, and I read it in, like, a day. It is very short. Mm -hmm. But I remember checking it out on, like, a Friday in, like, high school, and just, like, that's all I did that weekend was just read that book. It was very, very good. And then Hold Me Closer, The Tiny Cooper Story, which is kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but in Will Grayson, Will Grayson, there's a character called Tiny Cooper. Mm -hmm. He's not tiny. He's a very large gay man. <laughs> and Hold Me Closer, the Tiny Cooper, starts a pun on Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer. Mm -hmm. And it's Tiny Cooper's musical about his life. <laughs> I need seven years form, to process that. Which I do own. I don't think I have it with me, but it has a glitzy gold cover, and I love it very much. Oh, God. And then... Um, you Know Me Well, which is obviously the book we are talking about now. And he also, I don't know if you've seen the movie Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist or Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List. I've but heard of okay. Nick and Nora's. Okay, because those are co-written with Rachel Cohn. He wrote, like, a bunch of books with also in that, like, I haven't read them, but I'm assuming from all the titles that they're all two people's names, that they're written in a similar dual perspective. Yeah. 
Um, and I've also read, he helped to edit a anthology called 21 Proms, which I have read and it's very cute and it's 21 authors and they all write like, you know those short story author anthologies? Mm-hmm. It's one of those, but it's all about different proms. Oh, that's cool. So it's very cute. I read it in high school. Um, that's everything of his that I've read. There's so much more. Jane is like looking at like a page it's and wild. a half of David Levithan's works. My computer is all the way charged. So let's unplug and hope this works. But so that's David Levithan. That's really what I have on him. Um, actually his website has a section for frequently asked questions and then there are infrequently asked questions and I'd love to just read some of them because they're so funny. Yeah. The frequently asked questions are like, where do you get your inspiration for your writing? How do I get a book published? Like, you know, infrequently asked questions. What album makes you think the most of college? 10,000 Maniacs, Our Time, and Eden. (laughs) When I run up a Google search on you, why does Star Wars come up? Because I've edited over 100 Star Wars books for Scholastic. Um, What's your favorite flavor of cupcake? I suppose this isn't an infrequently asked question because it is something I ask myself every time I go into a cupcake shop, which is far too often. I think I'm going to go with Raspberry Dream. Vanilla cake, raspberry filling, vanilla frosting. That sounds really good. Yeah. Uh, What question are you most infrequently asked? What was it like to walk on the moon, Mr. Armstrong? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else? This is insane. Um, oh, when everything switched from tape to CD, what was the first thing you had to replace so you could still listen to it all the time? I think it was Radiohead's The Benz, but only because the tape was getting warped. <laughs> the first CD I bought was Carly Simon's Playing Possum, a full three years before I had a CD player. It wasn't available on tape, and I really wanted to own every single Carly Simon album. <laughs> That's a big mood. Yeah. So you can just poke around on David Lovethan's website, and it's so... Wait, what flavor of ice cream? Are you what flavor of ice cream are you least in, least enthusiastic about? My childhood answer would have been pistachio. Then someone invented green tea ice cream, and I tried it, and I still haven't recovered from the trauma. That's fair enough. I <laughs> love pistachio ice cream, and green tea ice cream gets my heart every so yeah. often. But also, I relate to David Levithan for this reason: dark or milk chocolate, or vanilla, vanilla, because I'm not a chocolate person. Which you I know. Every, I like chocolate. Like, you I mean sugar. Vanilla. And there's vanilla beans. <laughs> vanilla is a flavor. <laughs> Jane is staring me down like she's going to kill me in my sleep. I'm glad it's we have doors locked. Vanilla. There's the vanilla bean. Yeah, but. That's a flavor. Chocolate is made from cacao plants. Yeah, and vanilla is made from beans. <laughs> I know, but it cannot be considered vanilla chocolate if it's made from cacao. No, it's not chocolate. I think it's cho- like the flavor. Is it chocolate? That's not white chocolate. He's saying darker milk chocolate or just straight up vanilla, not chocolate. If it was dark milk or milk or white chocolate, you would be valid in making okay, fun fair of me. Enough. Which I do prefer white chocolate oh, still because God. I'm a heathen. I know it's just sugar. But this is vanilla, like actual straight up vanilla. Okay, I fair think. enough. All right. Fair enough. So If it does mean white chocolate, though, I'm going to have an issue. <laughs> yeah, I think it means vanilla. I think he would have said white chocolate if he meant David white chocolate. David Levithan. David Levithan. Love that man. Hate mail for These are all his books, white too, chocolate. at the top of it. His website's really cool because all his books are oh, little icons cool. at the top, and you can, like, click through them. That's really cool. really neat. But, yeah. And so now... It is, in fact, time for Mackenzie's Funky Facts. Oh, my God. And I warned Jane at dinner, I kind of cheat. I didn't cheat. I just took it in a different direction. That's okay. So rather than a funky fact, 
I did like a, I don't know, 12 degrees of separation from various topics. And I'm going to give you two topics. Okay. And through various Wikipedia holes that I ended up only clicking on things from that Wikipedia article into the next. Oh my God. I ended up at two distinct topics. Well, one is a personal experience, but I think it's valid even without the Wikipedia. Okay. So... Beginning with this book, You Know Me Well, about two gay teenagers, you know, experiencing pride in San Francisco and becoming, like, really good friends, mm-hmm. we can either end up at a book that we covered in our podcast in season one, or we can end up at the restaurant that I waitress at. What? <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. So there, the ending, so it's it's like, you know, when you fall in a up and you open the next tab and you open the next tab and you open the next tab, we can either end up at a book, a, a, a an item, a book, a story we covered for the podcast last season or the restaurant I waitress at. I, I need to follow the step-by-step process okay. of this. We can do both. I can show you where it splits off and we can do both. I Okay, I think the one I need to know right now is the book that we covered. Okay, that's fair. So, there is a line in this book where um, Ryan, Mark's, like, best friend, friends with benefits situation. His, his, his pal. His, and there's no, like, I can't say his gal pal, but what's the guy equivalent of, like, a gal pal? You know when they're like, oh, they're just gal pals, and you're like, they're dating. They're buddy old friends. <laughs> Old sport. <laughs> Getting some Gatsby in here. I think it works. <laughs> <gasps> They're sparring mates. <laughs> so, so Ryan, <laughs> so Ryan is asking Kate at, at school, like, the, the following week, like, what, because, you know, Mark and Ryan were out on Friday night together, and at mm-hmm. a certain point in the evening, they split off, and Mark went off and did his own thing with Kate, you know, mm-hmm. not too much detail, and Ryan was kind of like, what happened, like, on Friday night, and Kate doesn't want to, like, blow the whole cover, because she doesn't want to, like, tell all of that to Ryan without, like, Mark knowing about it, but she also doesn't want to, like, lie to him, mm-hmm. so she tells him, magic, a cat named Renoir, a whiskey bottle, a typewriter, ferns, High-heeled shoes. Okay. <laughs> how badly do you want to read this book now, knowing how this all tie together? I mean, I wanted to read it from the one, the cover, because <laughs> yeah. I'm a sucker for a good cover, mm-hmm. in uh, two, as soon as you said, gay-gantuan. Gay-gantuan. <laughs> so, you had me sold. Okay, so, a cat named Renoir. Who is Renoir? Pierre-Auguste Renoir is a famous French Impressionist painter. And he's, you know, if you Google him, you can find plenty of pictures. One of his most famous pictures, perhaps, is, or at least the one that I'm, I like personally, is The Luncheon of the Boating Party, which is a really beautiful painting of all these people on a boat eating lunch. And this is actually really cool. The Wikipedia page has a clickable thing of it because they're all based on real people. Mm-hmm. So you can hover and it'll tell you, like, this was the owner's son. This was Renoir's future wife. Like, this was the owner's daughter. That's a poet and critic. This man's an artist. This woman's an actress. Like, it'll tell you all these different things. That's cool. A fun fact about the painting, The Luncheon of the Boating Party, was it was featured heavily in the 2001 film Amelie because she befriends the man whose name is Raymond Dufael, who has brittle bone disease, who repaints Renoir's Luncheon of the Boating Party every year. And he compares her to... 
Actually, I will save this for this. So, you are familiar with the movie Amelie. Mm-hmm. Quite. I, quite. Yeah, you we, love this movie. No, I wouldn't say love. I would <laughs> you say watched it a I lot. was for no. No. I watched it one time. <laughs> I was forced to watch it in oh my, my French class in high school. You shouldn't have been watching this in your French class in high school. I think it's rated R. It is. It is indeed. There is Good an movie. entire sex shop where there's dildos oh, yeah. everywhere. Oh yeah. And that um an explicit sex scene. And my professor forgot yeah. even though he's seen it this like is where he tried to stand in front of this he tried to stand in front of the screen because it was screen. a projector it was a projector he didn't realize also this is a very flamboyant buoyant gay oh, man who man. has a, a he has a pet parrot named Flo that every morning goes bisou bisou and she gives him <laughs> kisses on the cheeks I love the like a proper french lady a proper french lady and um so he stood in the front of the projector realized that that wasn't working, promptly turned off the projector, but the movie was still playing through the speaker, so ever so often you hear, <laughs> and the door was open, so he slammed the door shut, and the bio teacher... teachers just don't know how to deal with technology gone haywire. He's like 30. <laughs> no excuses, dude, that's no. like a millennial. Yeah, and the, the bio professor walked by and was like, and this is like aggressive, there was like... <laughs> and random boning, and he, like his screen was facing the door, and she's like, she was an old lady. Mm-hmm. We're talking like seventy-five yeah. old lady, and she walked by, and I swear to God, she almost died of a heart attack. Yeah. And then he turned it back on just in time for, or like not just in time, but for Amelie to walk into the mm-hmm. sex shop, and he's oh, like, yeah. I, to please don't tell your parents. Yeah, I was like. Yeah, we, we won't be yes. anyways. Yes, yes. So. so the luncheon of the boating party, prominently featured in the movie Amelie, because Raymond Dufayel is the artist who paints it. Amelie was also turned into a musical in 2017, which I saw on Broadway. It was very short-lived. It ran for about two months. It was delightful. Mm-hmm. It just was a very competitive season. And yeah. in the musical, there is expl- there's the reference to um, Raymond Dufayel is still a character, and the painting happens, and there's um, a whole song called The Girl with the Glass where he compares her to um, the woman kind of in the middle of the painting, if you're looking at it, who seems to be kind of not really engaging with anyone around her and just kind of doing her own thing, which fits Amelie very well. That is who she is as a character. But the musical Amelie was choreographed when it was on Broadway by Sam Pinkleton. Now, Sam Pinkleton is an American theater choreographer and director and is best known for choreographing the Broadway musical Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which he was nominated for a Tony Award for. Mm -hmm. Now, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 is a sung through musical adapted from a 70-page segment of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, and its music book and lyrics are all by Dave Malloy. Now, who is Dave Malloy? He is an American composer, playwright, lyricist, and actor. Sorry, I'm having a heart attack right now. Do you kind of love this? This is so fucking wild. (laughs) So Dave Malloy is an American composer, playwright, lyricist, and actor, and he's written several theatrical works, often based on classics works of literature, such as Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, or Moby Dick, which I saw a few weeks ago at the ART. It was delightful. One of the pieces that he wrote was called Ghost Quartet which is a 2014 musical song cycle described as a song cycle about love, death, and whiskey. A Mm -hmm. camera breaks and four friends drink in four interwoven narratives spanning seven centuries. Mm -hmm. So you're interested in the book, how this ties into our podcast book first, right? Yeah. Okay. So Ghost Quartet is, aside from me... So is this where it breaks off? Yes. Okay. Ghost Quartet, aside from being an absolutely buckwild show that I could not even begin to explain, but it is utterly delightful, has numerous 
inspirational sources. And stop me when you think I'm, I'm where we might want to be, including Arabian Nights, uh, Matsukaze, a Japanese no drama, The Grimm's Fairy Tales, Edgar Allan Poe's Fall of the House of Usher. There we go. So Edgar Allan Poe is so Fall of the House of Usher is a narrative short story by American writer Edgar Allan Poe, first published in 1839. And Edgar Allan Poe is an American author, writer, and literary critic. And two of the things he is best known for is the Cask of Amontillado and the Telltale Heart. There which we go. Which we covered in our Halloween 2018 spooktacular. Yeah, holy shit, it was 2018. I was like, 2019? No, it was 2018. So, that was funky fact one. There's like 70 Wikipedia pages open on her computer. I'm like, I think I, like, literally, I think I'm getting heart palpitations. Can you believe that I connected this book to the Telltale Heart? I actually can, because you're as insane as I am, which is why we're (laughs) friends. But not even through any direct way, like the writers, and so they're connected through literature. Oh, no, no, we took it into the world of impressionist artwork and choreographers and theater. Why does this not surprise me? Do you want to go back and figure out how it connects to the restaurant I waitressed at? Yeah. So let's take it back to Ghost Quartet. Now, I saw Ghost Quartet in 2017 at the New York Theater Workshop in New York City. Yeah. It was in a very small, like, 70-person black box theater. And one of the people at that performance, (laughs) Jane knows this story, so she's, like, crying. So when I saw Ghost Quartet, Ben Stiller was there. He wasn't in the show or anything. He was there as an audience member. And I was there with, like, five other friends. And we were, like, six, like, you know, 19, 20-something college kids. And we're, like, and Ben Stiller is right across from us. And we're all, like, staring at him but trying not to look like we're staring at him. Because we're, like, he's here. He's there with his daughter. Like, we're not trying to make a scene. Like, he's obviously here to enjoy a piece of theater. We don't want to be like, oh, my God, it's Ben Stiller. But we were all like, oh, my God, it's Ben Stiller. So... Ben Stiller. Which, that's a wild person to see. Yeah, that was just an insane moment for me. So, Ben Stiller um, once ate lunch at the restaurant that I waitress at. Were you working there? No. Uh. Unfortunately, I wasn't. But I know he he came to visit because where I waitress is attached to a pretty touristy destination. So like yeah. we, get a, a decent, we get a lot of people. And we've had some, like, not like famous, famous people, but like people, if I said the name, you might be like, oh, yeah, I think I know who they are vaguely. Yeah. But Ben Stiller ate at the cafe I waitress at. And I can tell you, he sat at table 15 and he ordered a turkey club sandwich and a Diet Pepsi. That sounds like such a Ben Stiller and order. And I still tell people when, when I'm like, where would you like to be seated? And they're like, oh, can I sit over there? And I'm like, Ben Stiller sat at that table once. So that That's, one's less drawn out, but I, you can connect. That's wild. So this book can be connected to the restaurant I waitress at or the book. I, knew, I could have brought it on a billion other tangents with how many Wikipedia pages I had open. God, I'm so stressed out. I debated trying to loop it back to this book, but I felt like that would be too much. <laughs> like, I would have to go in reverse. Like... Uh, yeah. What do yeah. you think of Mackenzie's first attempt at a funky fact? It was beautiful. I loved this format you've decided <laughs> to do. I mean, it stresses me out. And I'll I close. Like, I'm going to close. Close all of the... Oh, thank <laughs> God. Oh, my God. My heart... Oh, it's all written out, too, but that's a little less insane. Oh, God. Oh, my heart feels so much better now. But, but yeah. yeah, no, I feel like you went about it in a really good way. Mm-hmm. So, um, I really enjoyed that, that just fucking trip and a half that you took me on. Yeah, wasn't it fun? I feel like I went around the globe three times <laughs> yeah, you did. at the speed of light, but then someone smacked me every, like, 
20 feet I got I made so I was like constantly getting smacked in the face but with knowledge there you go and I realized we didn't pick this ahead of time but we have a whole ass bookshelf behind us what is our book that is our communal book for this week because I think I've said everything I need to say about my book I would recommend I think so too we're staring at a whole bookshelf behind us full of books I don't know how many you have read okay so I'm seeing uh can, can I see the title yeah, I think we should do this one. Okay, sounds good. We're going to talk about Simon versus the homeostasis. <laughs> <laughs> Simon versus the homeostasis. <laughs> the homeostasis. He is a This cell. is toasty. <laughs> oh, my charger? <laughs> yeah. Laptop charger. I'm going to put it on my knee. Oh, All my right. leg is Simon warm. versus the Homo sapiens agenda. agenda. By Becky Albertalli. Which is the... This is the book that's the inspiration for Love, Simon, right? It has a little thing right there. For oh, it. my God, it does. Um, yes, which yeah. is one of my favorite books or movies to ever exist in the universe. It is. I saw it three times in theaters, man. We saw it at... Hold on. Pause. <laughs> As... Can I explain... Because this was the second time I saw it. Can I explain the first time I saw it? Yes, me? please. I was home from school for March break, and I... My mom... Like, we were in middle school. My mom drove me and three friends to the nearest movie theater showing it, which was an hour and a half away, to see this movie on opening night. Big mood. To specify, you were not in middle school, but like you were yeah, in middle school. Yeah, like okay, I was cool. in middle school, like how and your mom would drive you to the movies in middle school. I just, I, I wanted now. to specify that, because it didn't come off. I don't want people to think I'm like, four. I would be literally like in middle school still, because like, it came out two years ago, the movie. Yeah. So no, I promise I'm not in middle school. I haven't been in middle school since 2012. Which, like, that's my favorite thing when your parents drive you to a movie theater or bowling. My mom saw this movie with us. Like, she didn't even not see it. She saw it with us. Good. <laughs> so, Mackenzie and I went the second time the Mackenzie second time saw it. second time I saw it. Which, um, I want to paint you a word picture. <laughs> it's a bigger movie theater. It's got those reclining seats, but... Pretty bougie. Going into the movie theater, there is an archway. So, if mm-hmm. you're coming from... The parking lot, depending on if you park in the lower lot or the upper lot, you can either go through this archway pathway that goes over the road, Mm -hmm. or you can go in, like, the lower doors. Mackenzie and I parked in the upper lot, so we're going across this pathway. Keep in mind, we picked our outfits separately. We did. We just have... We don't even have similar style. That's the kicker. We don't dress similarly normally. To explain, Mackenzie doesn't dress super butch all the time. No. And I don't dress, like, I don't wear jeans to specify. I don't wear jeans. She I, wears, Jen lives in sweats. I live in sweats or leggings almost exclusively, but I can dress And I up. don't wear pants because I'm always wearing skirts. Yeah. Like. So we were both wearing. I'm leg- wearing pants today, but that's oh, an wow, I mean sweats. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh. We were in both, I'm pretty sure, light-colored light mom jeans. high-waisted mom, mom jeans. jeans. Mine were ripped. Yours mine were my mom's. Yeah. From the 80s. So mine were ripped, which I was like, yeah, this, this, is, is, this is it. We were both wearing Converse. We were both wearing black identical Converse. Converse. Black t-shirts with... Black and white flannels. <laughs> black and white flannels. That we were had tied around yeah. our waist at the same time. Because it was hot. Because <laughs> it was hot. Um, so we were wearing the I, same, the same unintentional outfit, and I like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I couldn't tell who was butcher. 
neither of us, but like in that but moment. You, yeah, in that I was wearing definitely wearing makeup. I yeah, knew I was wearing I don't makeup. Wear makeup. So, so, <laughs> so there's your word picture. We're walking, and this beautiful little lesbian couple like is holding hands, very holding hands together, like pressed against yeah. each other, is walking behind <laughs> us. No, they're walking. They're walking in front of us. Yeah, they were walking towards us. Weren't no, they, they oh, were they passed not. Us. They, they passed us. us. We were walking ahead of them, and then we were taking it slow, and they passed us. And at this point, <laughs> Mackenzie and I think we're linked arms. Yeah, I think we were like because I don't know what was up. We're we're in we public with our friends. We yeah. always like link arms, yeah. hold hands. We just I get lost, <laughs> and so people worry about in this me. movie theater walkway. Jane will get lost. <laughs> so um, they pass us. And continue walking. And I'm like, oh, they're such a cute couple. And we get our tickets, go into the movie theater. The lights are still on. Yeah. They are sitting there in the row in front of us. The exact two seats in front of us. We walk by together. And one of them. <laughs> turns to us. Turns to us. And, and just gives, like, the nod. The nod. And if you're gay, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you're in a if relationship. If you ever interact with gay people. You know what I'm talking about. Even if you're, like... Okay, straight guys would know this. It's, like, mm -hmm. the gay head... The gay head nod, I'm but doing also... I'm right now, James. Yeah, yeah shut yeah. up doing it. <laughs> but also the, like, straight guy nod. The when bro nod. The bro nod when you're, like, shit, your girl's hot. <laughs> That's the bro nod. That is the bro the nod. The same thing. So... Us and our matching flannels just being on a like good... Like a nod of approval from this beautiful lesbian. <laughs> she was gorgeous. And her girlfriend. And, and her we girlfriend. Like, we, we can't say anything. We couldn't moment. be like, oh, be like, no. Oh, we're not together. We're not together. We're just here in our matching We're gay here in our matching this gay, gay outfits in a gay, see gay movie. And we're, we're just roommates. It's like, oh, yeah, sure, you're just <laughs> and roommates. And they were roommates. And they were roommates. Uh-huh, sure. And so we were like... Wow, I guess we're on a date now. <laughs> and we embraced it. We embraced it. And then the next time I went to see it was with more friends at school, and we drove to the movie theater. And after the movie ended, one of my friends literally was so, like, into it. And she just goes, I am here today because I am gay. And she just, like, yelled yeah. at it during the credits. And I was like... This really is it, huh? This is the movie. I cried the entire movie. Oh, yeah. Like, it oh, was yeah. bad. Mackenzie watched me sob. Like, she cried a little bit. I could have already seen it. So I, I couldn't like, breathe. Desensitized. I couldn't breathe. Now that we've talked about how sad it was, should oh, we talk God. about what it's about? If you want to. I don't think I can. I think I need so, to curl up in a ball. The premise of the book, which is similar to the movie, there's some little differences. Yeah. Overall, it's a pretty good adaptation. So, 16-year-old Simon Spear, who's, um, he's gay, and he is not out. And he, the back line of this book is he prefers to save his drama for the school musical. Biggest <laughs> Which mood. I think is actually really fun. But he has been doing this kind of, like, he met through this, like, Tumblr account blog thing that, like, is run by someone in his school, where you, like, post anonymously and stuff. And yeah. he met someone through there, and he started this kind of, like, secret online email, like... Romance. and an email falls into the wrong hands and is picked up by this obnoxious kid martin who is in the movie he sucks martin sucks martin does suck and simon's secret is at risk of being thrust into the spotlight and now he's basically being blackmailed and he's being told by martin that he has to play wingman for him for his friend abby but abby is really into simon's friend nick so simon's like i don't want to like 
mess up my friends when I think they'd be good together to, like, help you, bro. But it that whole thing goes down, and then Blue, the pen name of the boy he's been emailing, um, as is, like, that's all jeopardized. And then as... I did, I'm literally reading the back of the book blurb, but it's so well written, I can't help myself. As his email correspondence with Blue grows more flirtatious every day, Simon's junior year has suddenly gotten all kinds of complicated. I Ugh. love that line. Can so, we yeah. watch Love, Simon I right now? I have it. I have the DVD. Can I'm we watch it, it right now? Jane, it's here. Like, I literally... The stack of things in front of the microphone <laughs> is growing, and it's... They can probably hear all the click-clacking. That's ASMR. Gonna hurt, that's gonna hurt everyone's ears. Please refrain. I'll stop. But yeah, so that's Simon versus the Homo sapiens agenda. It's utterly delightful, and it's just really cute. And I was watching um, a TV show earlier today where there was a scene on a Ferris wheel with people who I think are gonna end up being gay together, and I had a love Simon moment. I cried the entirety of this movie and mm-hmm. I cried during the book and I think I read it in like a day and a half or something yeah. like that like I read, I read it this really book quickly in, a friend of mine actually when I was home for um winter break was joking because I was at like my friend's holiday party and I said something about like oh my god this book that I have that you have to read like I'll give it to you or whatever and one of my other friends started laughing and I was like oh what's up and he's like oh I just remember in high school when it was like everyone borrowing books from Mackenzie's library because I like always was like and this was one this is a different copy you can tell because this one's really new looking mm-hmm. I had a hardcover copy originally and it had gone made the rounds so much and my dog actually chewed like part of the cover off of it because my dog chews hardcover books I don't know she doesn't get enough fiber or something <laughs> like, so this is a new copy so this one's very nice looking the one I had in high school was like falling apart because I'd given it to like every person I knew I basically was throwing it at people I was like if you don't read this book I swear to god so, I God, think, I want to watch the I know, movie. But Love Simon's very cute and very. Oh, good. it's so precious. And there's a sequel called Leah on the Offbeat, which focuses on his friend Leah. And I really like Leah on the Offbeat too, which my friend still has my copy of it. But I told her she's not allowed to give it back to me until she finishes it. That's fair enough. Yeah. But, anyways, I think that's our shared book for that's today. That's our shared book of which is more read of an this. experience with the movie than anything else. But the book is incredible too. Yeah. I remember when this was like, because this came out when we were sophomores, and I remember yeah. sitting in the dining hall when we had the new dining hall for the first time, and I was sitting in at one of those weird, awful tables that are, that suck to sit at with people but are great to sit at by yourself, yeah. by the windows, and I was watching every single, like, trailer, oh, every yeah. single teaser, and I was, like, crying in the dining hall. I was like, I have to go to class soon, I have to go to gender studies, but, like, I'm crying about Love, Simon. It was Biggest such a trip. Move. It was such a good movie. And it the was. book is delightful. We're mostly talking about the book here, but... Also, that was such, like, going to see that movie with you oh, was such a trip such and an a half. experience, uh, I will remember that forever. Oh, big mood. All right. Alrighty. Well, I... Hopefully we didn't hurt your ears with our book stacking. Yeah, as you continue to move it around. Stop, stop. I'm taking it I'm away. I'm taking them away. Go on my show. You. Yeah, there are four books in a DVD now. It's Over fine. the course, I just, this is why we can't film in my room, because I'm just like, or record, we're not filming, there's no visual components, thank, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> but I'm just pulling books off my messy bookshelf. It's fine. But I think, I think that's all I, I have. I that's everything I have. Yeah. You should read You Know Me Well, and you should also read Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. And Rx. And Rx. But, yeah, I think that's all we have, um... Like we've said before, just as continuous updates, 
We'll post when we can. We're both college seniors. We have busy lives. We do a lot of things. We both have two jobs. We both have two, <laughs> three jobs for me, you know. Oh, yeah, shit. Are you but paid for that one, or is that, like, a... It's, like, I get credit for it, but it's basically a, a job, job instead of a class. But, yeah, so we're busy. We have lives, but we will continue to do this because, hot dang, we like books. We like it. I also am sorry for my snapping noise I just made. You're good. I'm wearing a Les Mis oh, locket. it's really cute. And it's very cute. And if I had actually ever finished Les Mis, I would cover it on the podcast. But I, unfortunately, have not yet finished it because it is a brick. I'm about a thousand pages in. Which yeah. would sound really good if the book wasn't lame is. Yeah. And wasn't like 5,000 pages long. Yeah. One day. That'll okay. be my magnum opus. One day I'll read lame is. Fair enough. All right. I think it's time for both of us to go do homework. Oh, it's 8.30. That's bedtime. That's bedtime, but we both need to do homework, so we're going to suffer. I don't because I don't have any homework that's due tomorrow. Well, fuck you, I guess. Yeah, I know. I have just 200 pages to read for Monday. Oh, fuck you. So All I should right. start it now, but like... Yeah. Anyways... I think that's all set for today. I think that's everything we've got for you. All if right. If you like it, tweet at us. Tell yeah. us if you read the books we recommend. We'd actually really love to know. Because we we like sharing things. We like sharing things we like. Or if you try the tea, or if you have a book or a tea that you think we should do something with. Yeah, let us know. We can't promise, because like if neither of us have read the book, we probably won't cover it. Yep. But if you like a tea, we can try to pair it to a book. We like tea. We like we books. We like tea. We like books. All right. On that note, the tea is spilt and the covers are closed. See you soon. I want to close the cover when you say the covers are closed. The tea is spilt and the covers are closed. See you next next <laughs> next time. One more time. The tea is spilt and the covers are closed. See you soon. Soon. Bye. Bye.